Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John goes to college for free and ponders whether he'd want to know about an alien invasion. Meanwhile, I think fax machines might be witchcraft, and I tell the story of triplets who were born weeks apart from one another. Plus, a conversation about finding God amid the obstacles of modern life. Today's episode is not sponsored by Apple's new Vision Pro virtual reality headset. The future is here, and you cannot afford it. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Another week of talk about that as John and Johnny. Man, we just keep going, bro. Back from the dead. I mean, we're not. what happened last week? I had a rough week, I guess. I'm sorry. <laughs> I made it more dramatic than I needed. We had a good week. We uh, had a show that you hosted here. You don't have anything behind you today. Your little rack is... Uh... Oh, guys, I don't, I don't do anything. You're not either. promoting. Look at you. <laughs> I, g- I gave it to somebody. You're like, I'm not a sellout. That's I why. Like, yeah, I thought this whole commercialization that you've done to the podcast... Someone You're, needed to step up. You got up. a red backdrop again. It's a little ominous. Can you see the red light in the shot? No. You can see my lights a little better than yours. Yours shine up on a flat wall. Mine has like shadows and stuff to go around. Well, shadows, if you watch the videos, you'll know this, that we're referencing the backdrops. I apologize for the listener, listening only audience. I think that the shadows add depth. Okay. You know, they add like that nuance that. I, that's how I feel about my character ambiance i'm like i need the darkness <laughs> so that you can see that there once was light i don't know that's Isn't what i tell that what my, a shadow is though johnny that's what i tell it's myself where light once was come on now um i don't think that's what it shadow is at all no it's not <laughs> and you want to be a shadow scientist i don't think so <laughs> hey we need to let you guys know that uh there's a good chance this is going to be a shorter episode john has a work thing and <laughs> he's very important I don't know. I'm still waiting on confirmation of it, but someone's trying to move a meeting that I have to attend. So yeah, um, and this so we is the only we had- time Johnny can do it because God knows he heads out of town tomorrow for another whatever fourteen days. Because blah blah blah, I'm Johnny, and I'm sick of it. I'm going to uh, Dorchester, Wisconsin, for the 150th anniversary of Dorchester Days, which is their four day festival. Dorchester days. It is a town of 820 people currently. It's, hey, man, that'll be fun. There will be fireworks after my show. There'll be fireworks during your show, if you know what I mean. Let's hope not. <laughs> okay. Uh, Wisconsin crowds can get a little frothy. They a can get rowdy. a little well lubricated. 
little is this a are they serving yeah, this is a secular event so yeah this will be interesting secular, that's funny you like that <laughs> this is a uh that's what uh, shonda pierce my friend shonda pierce used to say that she doesn't do comedy clubs she mostly does but she says i've been in a lot of churches that could have used a two drink minimum and i feel that way too i've been in some churches where i was like man these people need a martini <laughs> So will there be there'll be like an open bar or something at this particular event? There will be yeah, uh, there'll be food trucks and lots okay. of of kegs outside. So there's no telling the what might happen. There's no telling. Well, you never know with my show anyway. It's so zany. Uh, you know, you got to wear the poncho on the front two rows. <laughs> That's not true. Please come to my shows. But anyways, from there I go to Artesia, New Mexico. Is that where the Artesian wells are? I don't know. Okay, I thought that was the. Art, where is an artesian well from? I thought that was somewhere in Europe. I would. It's probably named after them, though. Artesia. So? They probably need wells there. It's a desert. It's a desert town. To name a desert town Artesia. Yeah. Is either. It's an arid place, John. It's Next door to Roswell. ironic, or it's like there's, yeah. there's a... I've been to this church before, and uh, I think we talked about it on the podcast, but it's right. The next town over is Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah. Which you told me today that a lot more, de- lot more things have been declassified now about the UFOs. I don't know they're declassified. There's like some whistleblower people coming out saying. But that. are these like crackpot whistleblowers? No. Or is this like legit people? Legit people. They're saying you're saying that they're not just saying like, oh, these are officially unidentified flying objects. We're not going to say alien. You're saying they're saying these people who used to work for the State Department. So there's a guy. I don't know. I got to go back and reread it. He. They found alien craft. Yeah, th- there's a guy saying that he knows. Not like crafts, like a little macrame. Oh, look, macaroni, and it's glued to a board. It's in the shape of a Capitol building. No. Turns out it's not an alien. That's an alien. Those are alien. kid making the eyes bigger. Those are alien crafts. Right. That's not the same thing at all. We're talking about a spaceship. There is someone, it was like a Washington Post article. Yeah. And the guy was saying that he knew someone who, at the top secret level who has uh-huh. told him. Right. Um, Which we're going through that now as a country where... Maybe we shouldn't be revealing top secrets. Maybe you should. Yeah. Maybe you should sit on some of those. I'll say this: all the classified documents. Do you think we should have a right to know if there are aliens? Do, do you do you feel outraged that the government hid it if they did hide it? Okay, here's my issue. Here here's my my because we're going to panic. Like if there are like people are going to panic, right? Here's my hypothesis. That's the whole plot of Men in Black. Yeah, but but hear me. Yeah, hear me now. Understand me later. Okay. It's in a very American-centric idea that somehow the American government could hide it from the world. That's true. Like, why have if 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 it's true? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not. If it is, why haven't yeah. other countries? Right, they've been hiding it too. Right. It's not like they're only visiting us. And you think that we're going to be in some sort of collective concert with the rest of the of the world? Where right, we actually, can that's kind of how people treated the pandemic. They were like, "Well, this is blah 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 to embarrass the president." It's like. But the whole world is right. What are you dying right. from COVID? So when yeah. other people are sick, yeah, outside of the United States, but people, right? There's sort of a feeling often in the United States that what that's not happening. Who cares? Or you know, like yeah. it's, it's a, right. It's isolationist, and, it, and part of that's just been pushed on us. Right. It's a, the individualism it's a, is very core. Yeah. Well, and it's also a political strategy. If, yeah. I, if I can get you to think that the president really does control the entire, he's the leader of the free world. Right. Like, right. You know, right. Most powerful like man in the world. Right. So then it, you know. Not saying, uh, not saying that he or she is not. I'm just saying there are other countries who would who also have access to the sky. Yeah. So um, it's yeah. possible that. I just but I'm saying, would hidden. you? Do you think if I told you we've known since the 50s 
that we're being visited by alien life, would you be just surprised and you go like, huh? Or would you be like mad because you felt you feel a right to know? Uh, I wouldn't be mad. What if there was an imminent threat that they were keeping from us? You'd be mad then. Actually, I feel better when I don't know about imminent threats. Okay. Can I do anything about them? Right. Yeah. You know, what uh, are they going to ask me? Like in men and no, what if men, some of our technology going to ask me like Independence Day to get into a here's prop plane or something? And here's go when fight? It, here's when you go down the rabbit hole. What if some of our technology is from this? And we've been in partnership with the aliens the whole time. That's, that's why we have why the iPhone. We've gone so much further lately. Right. Think about the last 20 years, 30 years. There mm. have been leaps and bounds. Now you have AI. What if AI is alien technology? Alien technology this whole time. It's, it's right there. Yeah. Because oh think gosh. about it. Like, John, I don't understand how a fax machine works. No, you don't. You always A, a document goes through a phone line and comes out the other end? It's Get out of here. Witchery. How? Well... Johnny, I don't know. I understand email more than I understand a fax machine. Yeah. Fax machine is a landline. Yeah. Somehow with a printer. And the fact that they could do it when they did it technologically before. Yes, way before. It seems as if mm-hmm. that it's almost more technologically advanced. Well, somebody was talking about how, like we talk about alien technology, and I'm not sure if I believe it or not. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to go there with people. And there was somebody on a podcast and they were talking about if you showed somebody in the 1920s. Uh, or 1910s, a nuclear reactor, a working nuclear reactor, they would think that it was witchcraft. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or if you went to the 1700s and showed them an iPhone. So it could just be that like alien technology is going to just look like magic to us. But I think a lot of things are magic. Like I don't understand the iPhone. If you told me, no, this is how a touchscreen works, I still would be like, I don't understand. I still don't understand. Remember, who, who like radio. It? Think about radio. Terrestrial radio does not make sense to me. Remember our friend Dave Altizer when he showed his uncle or whatever an iPad. Oh gosh, it was the best for video. the first time. It was so good. What did he say? What was his big? I can't remember. He goes, I can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Yeah, he couldn't believe. He kept he saying, hold. I can't. I can't get over it. Yeah, that there was like he a was, touch screen in his hand. He was giggling like a little boy. Yeah, and this is a seventy-year-old man. It was so. But he had be- been like not exposed to tech for some reason. Right. At all, right? Yeah. He lived out in the middle of like the farm uh, area of California, like Bakersfield area. So he jumped past flip phones, all of it. Just imagine you just yeah. went one day from rotary to iPad in your yeah. hand. And, it and was he was, like- he was like, but it was the joy of it. It wasn't like, oh boy, what's this going to do? Yeah. He was like immediately just enthralled with he it. Was it was so on beautiful. TikTok wasting his life away. Yeah, um, he was yeah. actually really productive before that. Ever yeah. since he, he has he just a, makes dumb videos. Yeah, that's all he does now. <laughs> he was making like real things with his hands before that. Right, we ruined his he life. He doesn't talk to his family anymore. Yeah, he, yeah. He's uh, he only talks to his subscribers. <laughs> That his patrons, he has a Patreon. He's like, guys, if you want the Christmas card, you have to join my Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Funny, it just ruins him. I mean, it's not funny if he really got ruined. No, but it was a beautiful moment to me. It was just such a funny, pure reaction. Yeah. It's like when those those videos where they play like uh, Led Zeppelin for like a seven-year-old girl. Yeah. So she's hearing, you know, Black Dog for the first time. Yeah. And they're rea- and it's they're reacting in real time to this. Pu- I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, visceral moment hearing that for the first time, and I just think those are such funny videos. Sometimes they go, "What is this?" Their their ears aren't you right. Know, they're so primed now for computerized music, but most of the time they're just like, "Whoa!" 
Uh-huh. You know, you play black, Back in Black by ACDC to some kid, and they're just like, holy moly, it makes you feel something. Yeah. You know? And so I love that. And so that's kind of what that moment was with uh, David's uncle. It's so funny. Oh, that's great. You know what? And moments are important, Johnny. And yeah. I think this is a great moment. Don't you? For us to just stop and hear from a couple of our sponsors. Okay. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Yeah, Sadie is a child who tells me all the time that she wishes she was been born in the 90s. Yeah, I hear that from, I've heard that from people who are like teenagers now. They feel like they're in the wrong generation. Like, I don't know if they know what defines their generation. You they know don't, they don't, but at the same time, they're saying it under the auspices. They're forgetting what they would be giving up to go back. They just think they would get all the good stuff. But you would take away the technology, See, which think, they like. They think, like it. They just don't like people not being being soulless looking at their phone all day. But at the same time, there's a lot of... But they know that it's not good for them. Yeah. Even though they still do it. Yeah. Like, it's one of those... It's almost like smog. Like, right. I have no choice but to breathe this. This is where I live. You right. Know? So, I mean, I, I, I don't like, know. I don't even remember... I do not even literally... I've been... Because we've been around it so long... I do not even remember life before a 24-hour news cycle because CNN was when I was a teenager. Yeah. And that's when it kind of was like, how are they going to... Right. What are they going to come up how with? How are they going to do news 24 <laughs> hours a day? And now it's like, there's no way to not do it. Right. Even though we know they're just regurgitating and making us... They got to figure out, like, how can we make people angry with this story? How can we keep this story hot? Yeah. We know they're doing it. But I do not remember a time. It's hard to go back and remember a time when you had to wait till the next day to find out who even won games sometimes. Yeah. Because when ESPN came out when I was a kid, too. So it's like, you'd be like, I wonder if the Lakers won. You'd have to go to the paper and look. Yeah. And look at the stat lines. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it is. So I don't know if I'd want to give that up. Like the (laughs) idea that I can just be like, what is... Like, is it that I'm addicted to it, or is it that I like that convenience? I, I want to know. I want to be connected. I think a little delayed gratification sounds to me like, one, it'd be good for me because I'd have to wait and I'd have to work. Well, what do we have in our life mm. now that is delayed? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, I guess, like, career success, but even that, people want way quicker. They're looking for a get-rich-quick thing. You see a million TikTok accounts of yeah, that. Yeah, like long-term effort delays. Like, hey, you thing. start with no money, then you go buy a rental apartment building. Okay. From there, you rent those. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, I think you skipped a step. <laughs> Where's right, right. But there's a million TikToks account like that, like about passive income. Uh-huh. And they convince people that they can, they can be a day trader or whatever. And they don't know anything about it. 
Yeah, there's a whole industry teaching people how to get into industry. And I'm not shouting at the sky being like, these kids today don't want to work. I Believe me, I'm not saying that. Because a lot of times it's like people my age that are falling for this. Yeah. Because the economy has been so weird that they are disillusioned and they're falling for this out of like desperation. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't mean it that way. I just mean like, I, I do wonder like, what is in our life that we are willing to like suffer for for a little while? Like I knew I was going to be bad at comedy before I got good at it. Yeah. And it was kind of like an okay thing to me because I was already okay at it yeah. enough to where I thought I have a, I have aptitude for this. It doesn't mean I'm good yet, but I have aptitude for it and I really enjoy it. And I think going through the music thing first, because you and I had been in a band together for seven years, and I had to, we had those ups and downs, highs and lows. It of, taught you, yeah. It taught me. It really informed the way that I approached comedy of like, I'm not going to do that with this. I'm not going to live and die by every show. Yeah. There's going to be bad shows. Now, that's good because I don't think anything outside of experience and, and some level of growing maturity can get you there to go, hey, my expectation of this. Yeah. I, I told the church Sunday, and you were there. Yes. Uh, you know, show me your expectation and I'll show you your disappointments. Like, that's where you're going to be disappointed is whatever you expected this to be. Um, and I think it's a, I think the expectation of instant success is just not usually going to happen. In fact, you don't want it. You, I wouldn't want that because yeah. I don't, I think about all the things I wanted when I was 20. Right. If I would have been given them all, like I would have missed really the value of growing in the craft or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. knowing that it's not all about me or like the hard, those hard things are actually the right. most rich things for me. I went through that with comedy when I, cause I started when I was 33 and I thought, oh man, I'd see these kids who would be doing open mics. They're 18. They'd already have these like strong viewpoints mm-hmm. and strong opinions on things. And I'd be like, oh man, imagine how good they're going to be by the time they're 33. Yeah. And I really lamented. And then the more I've done it, I just go, well, there's a million things that I'm really grateful that I waited because I was able to work like a real job. I had real – because if you meet somebody that started comedy and they're 18 – And that's their job for it, right? They don't have a lot of reference points. Uh-huh. And uh, you can get reference points, but I'm just – there's other ways to keep your act from just being airline jokes and rental car jokes. But you have to force life into your life. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, if you're just a road dog comic and you never have relationships, you never whatever. I had a normal life, not normal, but I had a regular life for a lot of my early days. And so I can pull from that uh, a little bit easier than I think if I'd started out. So there's there's good there's good things about it. Well, there's also a paradigm that if you if if this thing didn't work out, you also know that you know how to do other things. Yeah. Or you could go find something else to yeah. do. I think when you start off in your dream or whatever and you're successful at it, it it's got to be a lot of pressure right. to think, wow, because you're already worried if things don't work out. Um, they were talking to yesterday on Sports Talk Radio, they were talking to a guy who had a championship. He, I can't remember who it was, but he was on the team with Tom Brady uh-huh. in Tampa, and he was on the team with uh, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Wow. And they were saying, is it better to, because they're talking about Denver having homegrown their team. Mm-hmm. versus somebody who kind of buys a championship. You just get a bunch of free agents. Like Kevin Durant goes to the Suns, and they trade away a bunch of players, and now you have Kevin Durant and Chris Paul and Devin Booker, which it didn't work out this year. So they're talking about, is it better to have grown a team from scratch or to buy a team? And the guy, they go to the guy, and they think he's going to say, like, whatever. You know, of course, I we love the championship. He goes, either one. He goes, both were really fun. He goes, we, we, we got all those players to come to Tampa because Tom was going to come out of retirement for a year, you know, whatever. Yeah. And 
it was great. But he goes, I liked it the other way too. And it was great, you know, having a camaraderie with players who were drafted and they loved that city because that city took a chance on them. To me, as an outsider to sports, I think a championship like Golden State, they draft Steph Curry, all that stuff, like to me, that's beautiful. Like that's what you want. It's better. It's just better. Then if like, oh, you know, LeBron comes to your town. I'm a LeBron guy, but if LeBron just comes to the Lakers and then they win a championship, it just does – it is different. Yeah. You know. Well, there's an allure to newness and, and to quick – to being good to put something in place that goes well. Yeah. There is. There's always an allure to it. It's, it's a – when you say get rich quick early. When you made your first million, John, it was so quick. Did you appreciate I it? Re- I couldn't believe it. Right. Number one, <clears throat> I was like, what am I going to do with all this? And I started a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what you want to do. You go buy some gear. Million, yeah. yeah. No, I, I just think it's that. Like, I look at 19 years. I was meeting with some guys I just met, and and with an old friend, and and somehow it came up that I'd been here for 19 years. And mm-hmm. one of them looked at me like, "You've been in this church for 19 years." Yeah. Because it's odd, you know. And you're not the lead pastor. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I was like, yeah. Th- th- there's. Even some shame sometimes. Of yeah, not, it's weird. Of not taking Cause, more. Yeah, cause, right. People like want to say, like, well, did you not, what's going on? Or did you not want to do your own thing or did you, Yeah, you know, especially if it's not some hugely in the world's eyes or church world's eyes yeah. even successful thing. Um, there have been, and I, I certainly have those choices and uh-huh. all those things. I don't, I don't throw that on anybody else. I do know where I feel, I do know I've never felt released if that's, if that's a good word. Yeah. I think God would be with me, whatever I, I did, as long as I'm, you know, seeking His will. But, but there is also like a there is a stability or a sweetness to looking back, especially in relationships. I mean, that's yeah. where that's where life is, right? And going, like I had again, uh, Aaron mm-hmm. over to the house. I mean, I, when I first came here, Aaron was four, four or right. five, and now he's an adult friend. Yeah, and it's like. There's there's something there to mm-hmm. go, okay, you know, like there's a richness to see him yeah. grow up and experience where he is now. Um, you would have missed out on all that, but you would also have a mansion maybe. I, I, I might be successful in the world's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want – You'd be like, we can still have lunch twice a year. I'm on the 22nd floor. Yeah. You're going to want to – Here's your passcode. That's right. right yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading a book about Anglicanism. Yeah. And there's something he talked about in there about sort of the the rhythms of the 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 non modern world mm-hmm. up to like the 20th century. Most people did not have electricity, so when the sun came up, you woke up, and then you worked, and then you uh, ate your one main meal of the day, mm-hmm. and then it was really hot in the heat of the day, and, and you rested for a few minutes or an hour or two, and then you went back to work. And when the sun began to come down, it was time to stop working and you would gather with your family or the people, your neighbors, your community, and you would sort of enjoy the evening. Yeah. And then when the sun went down, you went to bed. And like it was, he was talking about how like people, the, the agrarian societies or, you know, I'm saying like ancient, I mean, this is not that long ago. Not right, that long right, ago. right. And um, he was like, it wasn't hard for people to see God in the rhythms of nature and life because they were connected to those rhythms. Yeah. And his whole point is like in the modern world, you don't have to have those rhythms at all now. Yeah. You have artificial light anywhere you go. Yeah, we're connected to machines. Exactly. 
And he was like, we're wired in. And he made a couple statements that really struck me. He's like, we have, we don't know our neighbors, mm-hmm. which is unheard of. Like we don't, there's people on the street. I don't know their names. Yeah. There's a lot I do, but a lot I don't. Yeah. And then, but we do have significant relationships with people who live 1,000 or 2,000 miles away. Mm-hmm. Like, Which that's new. That's brand yeah, new. They like, would never have had that. Yeah, you'd have been waiting on a letter. Yeah. Know, like, like significant relationships. The wagon like, train to come through. Yeah, daily connection kind of thing. Yeah. And he was like, we then have to be intentional about creating rhythms that sort of go back to realignment and to rest and to work and to right. into having those moments because we don't have to have them now as as sort of the natural yeah. process has had upon us. So. Yeah, like we we need vitamin D, but we don't go out in the sunlight. We have artificial sunlight lamps to keep us from having seasonal effective dis- like you ever seen those yeah. seasonal effective oh, yeah. lamps that people have? Yeah. And I know that some people don't want to be out in the sun because they don't want to get skin. I get that. It's There's great. No but it's just such an interesting thing like we were wired in. Yeah. Like we can, yeah. we can reproduce the things. So then it, it, requ- it requires intention and it yeah. really just struck with me like, Oh, I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have to like, but you talk about like a legacy. You're right. Like have staying somewhere goes against the grain of what people want to, people want to push you. Even with me, like, uh, there's a comedian friend and he used to talk about this. He'd be like, comedy's one of those jobs. If somebody says they're a doctor, you go, oh, cool. You immediately imagine a life that person has. Right. If somebody says you're a comedian, if somebody says you're a comedian, you go, oh, have you been on Fallon? Have you been on, like, there's no top end to what uh-huh. your income or your fame level could be. So they start imagining this stratosphere that you could be in. And they you're start on this, at the top and start coming down. And you're on a ladder to them. <laughs> right. So it's like this trap yeah. of, like, contentment. You, you, it, contentment is very elusive. Yeah. In an entertainment job, because there's no cap on what you could be, so you have to just decide. Like, no, I'm, I'm successful. This is what I do. I love. I do do what I love. This is it. And you have to, you have to draw yourself back to that again and again. Like Kevin Nealon, who I've worked with a few times, in an interview one time, he talked about Saturday Night Live. He said, "I was on Saturday Night Live for ten years." He goes, "You're on it for like five years." It was a huge goal of mine. He was a sketch performer, uh-huh. and all he wanted to do was Saturday Night Live. But when you're on there like five years, they start saying like, "Oh, every interview is like." So are you going to do movies like Mike Myers? You're going to do movies like Dana? Car- like he was like, I really loved Saturday Night Live. I did not see it as a stepping stone, right? Like so many people that were on the show, but you start getting pushed out the door uh-huh. by outside forces. And like, what's wrong a- with you if you haven't gone on to? Right. Yeah, it's like you just oh, you just want to be here. You're just gonna. It's like the kid who never left high school or something. You're like, <laughs> right. no, this is my dream job. Yeah, and, and in a world where there's always a ladder, like. People don't know how to ever be at the top yeah. and be okay with where they are on it. And the ministry is the same way. And we were in a conference the other day. It was within five minutes yeah. at a table when they find out you're a pastor. It was a conference of pastors. How big is your church? Yeah. Again, I think people do. They start high and mm-hmm. start working down to sort of size. We don't mean to. Yeah. And by the way, at the table, there was a, a pastor. So it was like a 200 and, and there was us and there was like a pastor at a church of 3,000. And all the all the questions suddenly diverted to the pastor of the church at three thousand. Yep, yep, yep. He's the now the expert on the. the like you must just be, yeah. man, you know, like and and everybody's attention's there. Yeah, and it's like the dude who had two hundred and fifty next to me is like he's 
just as much of a pastor as the guy with 3,000, you know? I don't love the whole alarmism about, like, modern society is killing us and all that. I don't love that because I think there's so many good things, too. And it's just, we're just all broken people, and we're just living out what we have. Like, if we'd given cell phones to people in the 50s, they would have ruined it, too. It would have, you know what I'm saying? This all would have happened. TikTok would have happened in 1960 if it had been, if it could have happened. Yeah. So we can't act like we're just, it's because of evil. Like, not necessarily. There's good things. But I will say... When I, when you talk about like ancient rhythms and people who, you know, just they could see God because they could, they were more in touch with nature and all that. It does make me go like, you're right about that. That probably is true. Like we have to make more of an effort to see God in things. And it's because of our connection to technology. We just, we're so wired in. Well, I mean, Paul in what Romans 2, when he says, everyone, there's really no excuse for anyone in the world and he's 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 talking to yeah former jews and christians like we're all he's saying we're all equally in need of grace but his main argument is is if you can look at creation then you can see the handiwork of god well to the ancients again their life was very connected to that that was a much stronger argument i think for them yeah. then than it is today like well like i can go a whole day without looking at the sky yeah. Like I can go a whole day. I don't I don't see a body of water. Like I don't need to go get water out of it to take back to my dwelling. Right. Like, I just true. turn the knob, you know. Like I don't God, have to I don't have to a light gun. a fire, you know. Must be nice, John. Oh my goodness. All right. John, well, we need this. to go back to the old ways. Oh, don't in the we old know. days. Oh my goodness. This week in history, John, it's a segment we call Talk About Then. Under God was added to the Pledge of Allegiance, the Pledge of Allegiance, John, 1954 this week. Mm-hmm. You know what president? Uh, 1954 was Eisenhower. Dwight D. Eisenhower signs into law the congressional bill adding the words under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. And that's so a, a lot of people think it was originally yeah. in there. It's not true. Uh, so it's interesting. And, and then we're Christians. But I just, obviously, we, if there's a theme to this podcast, we have probably been talking for six years now about our uncomfortability and now kind of our, almost our rage at the rise of Christian nationalism. And so I'm fascinated by that. Just the fact that it's, it's kind of revisionist history that it was always there. And then the government's trying to take it out or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and, it was and, almost like a Constantine thing that it got put in at all. Right. It was like a, let's kind of, let's put it in there. Let's add it in. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you got to think you're, you're dealing with sort of the rise of, of, the moral majority in a in a very early yeah. stage. Um, number one, I mean, the actual pledge itself <laughs> um, was not written until like late eighteen hundreds or enacted. Like this is not something George Washington was saying, right. you know. And I, I was I was reading today about even the the change. You know, the Southern Baptists, by the way, uh, voted yesterday to uphold the expulsion of Rick Warren and Saddleback Church from, yeah, from the Southern Baptist that. Convention yeah. because they're ordaining women pastors. Mm-hmm. And if you went back, it kind of traced back. It was actually there were a lot of women in like Baptist seminaries up until the fifties and sixties. And there's there was a change there post World War Two. And if you really read, I mean, I'm not. Like Jesus and John Wayne type thing, where you go back and look at sort of the history of what was happening there, um, that that they slowly there were levels of it. It wasn't like this was the way it's always been. It actually was not the way it always was. Things were like slowly added in. This happened in the fifties, and this in the sixties, this in the eighties, and then now 
But then if you think about it, they've never made this major statement. There was like there was a little bit of elasticity within there of interpretation to say, and yeah. that's what Rick Warren's point was. Like, hey, there's a difference between uh, a creed and, and sort of like a, a commitment to tradition, and like I, we don't see this as being a part of like the Christian creed. Can, can we not coexist? Yeah, within the same organization, having yeah. different differing views of something that should not be a, an issue of salvation or a break from fellowship. So yeah, it's a mess. Yes, we do add things that become creeds to us that were not original to the faith or even to our citizenry within democracy. Uh, John, man, we got heavy towards the end. Sorry, guys. Uh, this one just says, what happened to channel one? June of 1948, the FCC removes channel one from the U S television broadcasting channels. Channel one's frequency range of 44 to 50 megahertz was then allotted to land and mobile services. Instead of renumbering two through 13, channel one was simply removed. There were originally channels one through 19. So if you notice that, if you get a channel, if you get a television, there's no channel one. If you like the old, even when you got an old television, when I was a kid, it would go two. We go straight to two. So interesting. No one knows what's going on, John. But did you watch Channel Aliens? 1, the show, when you were in school? I did. And, John, do you want to tell your Channel 1 story? So Channel 1 was like, you know, uh, uh, wasn't Lisa Ling on Channel 1? I think she was. And it was like news and information. For kids. Which people were, again, talk about alarmism. There were a lot of people in my circles who were being like, this is how they indoctrinate our kids. Yeah, I think they were just trying to get kids to learn to watch the news. Yeah. That's what they were trying to do. Yeah. yeah. And um, Well, it worked. So Believe me. The yeah. creator of Channel One yeah. was a guy named Chris Whittle, mm-hmm. uh, who was a University of Tennessee graduate and went on to, he did a lot of also charter school work, but he worked in, in public education and private education and then this, this Channel One stuff. And he then uh, gave an endowment to the university for the Whittle Scholarship, uh, which the was. The most a, important Whittle Scholar ever would be. Mm, I don't remember. <laughs> Someone is John me. Yeah. Carl Driver, but that 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 Channel One owner changed. It was the way God used him to change my entire life because that was my full ride to college, and it was back then a big deal. Now Peyton Manning scholars are the bigger deal oh, sure. than the Whittle scholars. But back yeah. then the Whittle scholar was like the top. You were a representative of the university and all this Man, stuff. I'm telling you what. Stuff, so. Thank you, Chris Whittle and Channel One. Yes. All right. Last one. And God, today. obviously, we got to go because John's got his big fancy meeting. It's okay. The longest time. Between the birth of triplets, this week, 1993, Vancouver, British Columbia, woman delivered the last two of her triplets. The first baby was born. John, how long? How long between the last two and the first triplet? Okay, I want to. I want to go crazy. Yeah, 48 hours. You're not even close. Really? 45 days. No. Did they have to? I wonder. I do not know. It makes and I me hope think these, that maybe one of them was born prematurely. Like they're literally like. not going to have the same birth month. That's crazy. These triplets. There must have been a premature birth of one, but I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, that's. I need to know more about this story, but because I found out more about the uh, shortest baseball player story, somebody told me that it was a bat boy and it was a stunt. So it was his only at bat because he was a bat boy, and that Cleveland Brown or Cleveland uh, Cleveland baseball team owner was known for pulling these kind of stunts. So he put the bat boy up. So we had that last week where a three foot seven. Major League Baseball player. So he was the shortest baseball but it was just a stunt. And he went on to be Bat Boy. Yes, he like was Bat he, Boy from the, it, <laughs> the Weekly World News. <laughs> He's Bat Boy. Anyway, yeah, just 45 days. My, my goodness. That's a long time. But I guess she just went home. I don't think she was in the... I need to find out more. We'll have more next week on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure a listener will reach out. Yeah, they'll follow up. They'll yeah. be like, oh, actually... 
We did get. We do from, enjoy I, hearing from our listeners. I would like to say this: you had some some history that was in the mid twentieth century, and what we probably should have said last week is, is man, if if you like mid twentieth century history, mm-hmm. you should check out the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. <sighs> The with best. Our, with our friend Allie Holland, who's been a guest before. She's incredible. Her podcast is great, and it's growing. And uh, so get get on that ride while you can, because... And she's now, by the way, a uh, movie producer as well. Yeah. And so there's exciting things coming that major... Some fun things we can announce. Major stuff. Because we'll get though. in so much trouble. But, like, she's she's jet-setting. She's on a rocket ship to the moon. Oh Not unlike we were under President Kennedy. Yeah. If you believe that really happened. If you believe that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you should check out uh, johnnyw.com, man. The guy, he was telling me about it, just the shows happening in this year. It's just nuts. So many and tour dates to being so many added. chances to see him, man. Go yeah, see him live. Too many chances. Go see me more than once. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. Like, go in and like chant the joke you want to hear. No, don't do that. Okay. Check out johndriver.com oh. to find out all of John's latest projects. Uh, he's having a meeting today, so who knows what that project is. Oh, my goodness. Be. Three years from now, this could be really exciting news. <sighs> exactly. Okay. It yeah. takes it takes a long time. It takes a long time to, to for a book in. to come out. But sorry, uh, but no, yeah. I can think of a joke on the way to the stage, <laughs> and say, and I immediately know if it sucks. Yeah, that's what's cool about comedy. You're yeah, like, I think I got something there, nope. and I thought of it stepping onto the stage. You're like, I got a book idea. It's going to be a couple of years. Right. Yeah. Wow. And I'm playing the long game, Johnny. I can't. I'm connected to the rhythms of nature. You are, and I'm not. I'm like, I got like my my seasonal affective light on and I'm just trying to hold on for dear life. Yeah, you're like on a clover cycle, I'm on a redwood cycle. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I'm just white knuckling it through life is what I'm doing. You're doing great, man. Thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's exciting stuff. I appreciate it. Hey guys, thanks so much for the time you gave us this week. We look forward to doing it just like we do every week, Johnny, and we'll do it again next week or talk about that. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful, devotional, and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.